Welcome to Fraser Basin Council's First Nations Home Energy Save podcast. I'm your host, Darla Simpson, coming to you from beautiful North Vancouver, British Columbia, traditional Squamish territory. This is the first podcast in the energy management series, and we'll be talking about how to develop the financial case for energy management. So again, today our guest is Stefan Trangled. Welcome, Stefan. Hi, Darla. Thanks for having me. So glad you could be here with us today. This isn't a comprehensive course in financial planning. There are other resources out there available if, if you're interested in that, but we really do want to introduce a few big ideas to help Indigenous communities plan for and make informed decisions around housing investments. Specifically looking around comparing between kind of the business as usual case or what we would normally do, and then what the energy efficient option looks like. So how to make those decisions, how to make the argument for those decisions if you're working with your tribal council or seeking investment funds for it. So that's really the objective today. So the first thing I guess we need to understand is when we're building our financial case, what are the costs we need to consider? What information do we need? Well, there's a couple of different costs I think we need to understand. Really, I break it down into two categories. The first is your upfront costs. And this is, we also call them the initial capital cost. It includes your equipment cost, the installation, maybe your contractor fees, uh, bringing the equipment to your location, uh, which can be uh, an important component, especially if you're in a remote community. And we also subtract from this any financial incentives that have, that have been provided by like a, a provincial or a utility program. And I think we'll touch on that uh, in a few minutes down the road here. And um, I, I also like to encourage people to include a contingency in this upfront cost. And this is, you know, really just respecting that it's hard to understand exactly what a project is going to cost. Even if you get a quote from a contractor and you know the exact equipment cost of things, sometimes things go a little bit awry and there's cost overruns. And you really do want to budget for that. You know, so maybe you want to add 10 or 15% to whatever you think the project is going to cost um, and keep that in your budget, reserve it in, as a, as a just-in-case kind of fund. So those are the components that, that I think go into the upfront cost. And the other aspect to it is the ongoing cost. So these are the things that, you know, you don't pay for upfront, but you're going to be paying for over the life of the equipment. Uh, the probably the biggest thing is your energy cost, right? And we're going to be talking about that today is how energy efficient is your is your equipment and is the decision that you're making because that's going to be reflected in that ongoing cost. Maintenance and repairs are another big thing. I'm sure lots of folks are familiar with these things and, and some technologies are more maintenance heavy than others. So that's, that should factor into the decision making as well as the average life of the equipment. If you're looking at two different products, say, and one of them is gonna last 15 years and the other one's gonna last 25 years, you know, that should really weigh into your decision-making about like how to, how to value those two different options. And this all comes into affordability. Right, the ongoing costs, they have a big impact on the residents over time, the utility bills they have to pay. Exactly. There's also cases where the residents are not actually paying the upfront cost, but they are responsible for the ongoing cost, the utility bills. 
And so in that case, if you're, if you're a housing manager and you're making that decision for them, you need to consider, are you choosing you know, a cheaper option that might be more expensive for them in the long run? Or are you investing in a more expensive option that might be cheaper for them in the long run? So it probably gets a little tricky when, when we start to divide those, but these are all parts of the, the fun of being a housing manager, I suppose. And we call that a split incentive, where one party has control over one decision and they, they have an incentive to decide one way to keep, say, upfront costs low. And then another party is also impacted by the decision, but they maybe have an incentive to keep ongoing costs low. Gotcha. That sounds like this. Yeah. And so together, those are the total cost. And so that's what we talk about when we say there's two price tags on, say, home appliances. There's the upfront price tag, and then there's what you pay for all the utilities over time. But then, like you said, repair, or if something's going to need replacement sooner than another. I understand that we have a bit of a, a sample that we've developed here. And at this point, I'm going to point everybody at the uh, podcast resource. So if you're a visual learner and prefer to see all those numbers in text, It'd be handy to take a look at. So what's the example that you've prepared for us today, Stefan? Well, I think that a, a nice, uh, simple example that, that is going to be easy to understand is the lighting. So we're going to look at swapping out a bulb in, in a light fixture in someone's home and see what the repercussions of that are. Uh, so let's say that you have, you're wanting to replace some bulbs. Uh, we're just going to use one bulb for now, but you can imagine that this that this can scale to the household or even the community level. And the two options we're looking at specifically are a CFL bulb or an LED bulb. And you can see the numbers on this on this presentation here, uh, but the long and the short of it is that the CFL bulb is cheaper upfront, right? That equipment just costs less. It's a couple dollars less than the LED bulb. Now, when you consider the cost of electricity and how many hours a day you're going to be using that bulb and the electrical consumption of that bulb, like the, the wattage, basically, um, the CFL bulb is, is about 14 watts. You know, obviously it depends on size, but this is our example. And the equivalent LED is about nine, nine and a half watts. And what we see is that the ongoing cost is greater with the CFL bulb, right? Now we average in the, the life expectancy of that bulb, which is only you know, under 10 years for the CFL bulb. And it's, it's over 20 years for the LED bulb. And when you do this, this math, this like simple kind of addition and, uh, and multiplication, you see that the LED bulb comes out cheaper in the long run. Right, after you include the upfront cost and the ongoing cost over the lifetime of it, it's actually a better financial decision to, to go with the LED bulbs. Right, because you'd have to replace it a little over two times. The total cost of the utilities, the electricity to run the bulb, assuming that they're, they're run the same amount of time. So in the long run, you come out ahead, even though if you just looked at the upfront cost, it would be more expensive. Exactly. That's why we need to look at the whole picture to make the best decisions. That seems like common sense, really. Um, but my guess is that when we scale this up to something like a window upgrade or a furnace replacement, it gets a little bit more complex. Yeah, a little bit, for sure. And, and we want to start considering what type of energy 
that those uh, that equipment is using, like say with the furnace example, is it using electricity? Is it using natural gas? Is it using wood? What's the cost of those different energies? So yeah, the, the calculation gets, there's a couple more things to add onto it there. And uh, I think that's why it's worth starting simple. Well, and it's not like you can say this window costs me X dollars per year to operate. Um, kind of like we were talking about in the last one, the building as a system. Some of those building envelope upgrades, for example, they impact the cost of the heating utilities. So it's not exactly a straight line when we're talking about building systems. So I guess we're going to have to talk about how to access our utility bills. And that's we were talking about the split incentive earlier. Housing managers don't necessarily have access to the utility bills of the residents. So what do we need and, and how do we, we get that information? Yeah, I think that's an important question. And ultimately, you're going to need to work with the residents to get that access. And you can do that by either sharing online access, like if you have a My Hydro account set up online, you can actually um, link your account so that you allow your housing manager or other person to view your um, energy history and so that they, they can understand like where, where that energy is going and what the, what the profile of it is. Uh, alternatively, you can also, you know, arrange to, to download that and, and share it with that, that housing manager or other person. Or you could perhaps just provide copies of the paper bills. Certainly, I guess if you're, if you're not using a natural gas or a BC Hydro, Fortis BC Electric utility where they have these online portals, those paper invoices might be, might be the easiest. Um, so if I'm looking at my electricity bill, say I want to do some sort of an, an, an electrical upgrade or I'm looking at an electrical energy efficiency project. What am I looking at? Well, there's two main electrical utilities in British Columbia. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk mostly about the BC Hydro one, but you'll see the same one, same sort of information for, for the Fortis electrical bills uh, if you live in, in that region. Uh, but basically, you have what's called um, a basic charge. Uh, sometimes it's called a flat charge or an administrative charge, and this is a, you know, a dollar value that stays the same every month, basically. It's your price to be connected to the system. And then you've got your consumption charge, and this is, this is always a dollar per kilowatt hour uh, charge, right? So it just depends on how much electricity you use, and that's how much you end up paying for. Now, sometimes there's what what they call a step rate, and you might have step one and step two, and it's quite important to have a look at those because generally they have a different charge. Step two is, is more expensive. So after you use a certain amount of, of kilowatt hours, which is inside step one, after that it goes to step two. So basically there's, there's like a limit to your cheap uh, electricity, and then it becomes more expensive as you use more than that. So that's what they call a conservation rate. You have you have an incentive to use a smaller amount of electricity because you're charged less for it. And if you use more electricity, you're charged at a higher rate. It's, it's actually more costly. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. There's some other information that you can find on your utility bills as well. Um, it's really interesting to see 
what time of, of day or week or month that you use your energy, right? Like, for example, if you're using electric heating, um, like, say, baseboard heaters or, or electric furnace or something like that, obviously, you're going to have a lot bigger bill in the winter months compared to the summer. But how big? And and it's really interesting to see that information. And that, that can really inform you and give you a sense of how valuable it is to to make upgrades or, or to make uh, efficiency improvements to that system. I actually personally have downloaded all of my data from the 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 Maya Hydro profile and put it into a, a it downloads as a spreadsheet. And then you can see that when I get up in the morning and I, I make some I make some coffee and I make some eggs for breakfast you can actually see that little spike in electricity. And then later in the evening when I'm using more heat and it's colder out and I'm using the oven perhaps and my electric stove, that's when my biggest spike of electricity is. So there's a lot of information you can get about the time of day and the ways that you're using electricity just from logging in to that My Hydro profile. And it's, it's really easy to like set that account up and, and look at it. I know my Fortis Electric or Fortis Electric has that as well. And one of the things we'll talk about in the community series is how important it is to help residents to sign up for that, to take a look at their their energy utilities, what they're using, and how just knowing what you're using and being more aware of the energy used in your home can actually bring down your bill by almost 10%. At least that, that seems to be bearing out in, in a lot of different um, examples that just just knowing I seem to run laundry, the dishwasher, shower, everything is going at 7.30 at night. Uh, it's, it's really interesting information for folks. So that's the, the electrical utilities. Um, what about the natural gas utilities? Natural gas is quite similar, uh, but there's a couple of differences that are worth highlighting as well. Uh, similar to the electricity, there's two main providers in British Columbia, uh, although you might also be purchasing natural gas through a marketer if there's a, a larger like community or collective agreement. Um, but you'll see the same basic charges there. And so similar to electricity, you have this, this base charge, right? Sometimes it's called the delivery charge, and this is a static dollars per month that you're going to be paying just to be connected to the system. Uh, then, of course, you've got your consumption charge, and this is always measured in dollars per gigajoule. Gigajoule is a measure of uh, energy just like kilowatt hours is. Uh, it's just a different standard that they use and, and prefer to use for, for natural gas. So, obviously, the more natural gas you use, the more you're going to pay for, and that's re represented on your bill as well. So you're going to see how many gigajoules that you used in that period. And then the other thing that you'll see on your natural gas bill is your carbon tax, right? And if anybody has been paying attention to that, that's been going up year after year for the last couple of years. And it'll, it'll actually say like a dollar per gigajoule um, in, in the carbon tax on your bill. So you can see what, what that rate is. So there's, there's four use charges, right? Across your bill, like four per gigajoule charges on the bill. It depends on your exact rate, but yes, there definitely can be multiple. You can have storage and transportation. You could have the cost of gas. Um, sometimes there's, there's, it's called delivery charge, and then you've also got your carbon tax. So yeah, that's right. There's usually a couple of line items that have a dollar per gigajoule value, and you need to add those up to understand what your, 
what your true cost per unit of energy is. And that's the value that we'll use to kind of calculate those, the energy intensity or the business cases later on. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. If, if you're going to be looking at, say, a furnace upgrade, um, to do any kind of calculation to, to figure out what is your, your best option there, you need to know what your, what your dollar per gigajoule is. It's a critical piece of information. So there's a lot of areas of the province that aren't on natural gas or don't have piped natural gas. So uh, what about the other energy sources, propane, fuel oil, diesel? Um, how, do we get, how do we use that information? Well, you know, it's going to be pretty similar, actually. You're going to see a delivery charge on that. So there's going to be some kind of, a, you know, whether it's a, a biweekly or bimonthly kind of charge um, just, just for bringing that energy and dropping it off, right? Whether it's refilling a propane tank or dropping off a cord of wood, it, it's going to be something similar. And you're also going to see a volume charge. And again, usually this is a dollar per gigajoule. Right. It could also be a dollar per liter, like for say for fuel oil, it often is. And then you might need to convert that. Right. Or it could be a dollar per unit of wood, of course, or a dollar per um, kilogram of, of pellets, wood pellets. So it's going to depend a little bit, but the, the core is still the same. You have a delivery charge and a volume charge. And you can always get in touch with your utility company to get those invoices or bills. They might even have like a spreadsheet with your personal history on it that they can send you. Uh, one way or another, you can get that information if you don't already have it from your paper bills. It's probably also really important to pay attention to the time frame on those bills. So, you know, if I get a fuel oil delivery in November and it lasts me through to February, I'm going to divide that volume by the three months to get my per month charge, or I'm going to add up all of those to get an annual charge, right? Yeah, that's right. Of, of course, it depends on when you get deliveries and, and how often that you need them. And that's really going to be variable for everybody, but certainly worth paying attention to. Okay, so we have our energy bills and we've seen an example of lighting. So for today, we've set up a, a case study, just a a comparison that we can use. We have a, a 40 year old home. It's about 18,000 or 1800 square feet. It has a gas fired forced air furnace. It's original to the house. It needs to be replaced. Um, this is up in Squamish. So they're paying just about $9 and 50 cents a gigajoule for natural gas and $9 and 35 cents per kilowatt hour of electricity. And we've created three options for them. So option one is just to repair that furnace and replace it later. They have to do something. At the very minimum, they've got to repair the furnace. That's going to cost about $2,000. Option two, we're going to replace the furnace with an energy-efficient gas model. It's going to cost about $500 installed. There's a nice $800 incentive. It's uh, going to save us a fair bit of natural gas. And then option three, we're going to go with the, the gold star version. We're going to replace it with a heat pump. Uh, much more expensive, $15,000 installed. Uh, but there's a $10,000 incentive right now. And this incentive, I should say, is specifically for on our First Nations housing. Uh, and it is for fuel switching only. So moving from gas to electric, but $10,000 nonetheless. So we would actually get rid of our natural gas bill altogether. 
So those are the three options that we're exploring today. So let's walk through the upfront costs. What does that look like? And again, I'm going to refer everybody to that resource document if you'd like to follow along. Yeah, sure. Well, the, the upfront costs, uh, like you mentioned, they're a little bit different for each option, right? What we call the minimum option would just be to maintain or replace the existing furnace. And it's a pretty low quality furnace. Uh, it's got about, it's rated at about 75% thermal efficiency. And uh, and that that's sort of like your, your standard efficiency, I would say. It doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really go lower than that typically. Um, so that was going to be two thousand bucks, right? And you know, there's no incentive on that, and so your your total upfront cost it's simple. It's two thousand dollars. Okay, so now we look at the next option, which is the energy efficient renovation. It's five thousand dollars, but there's an eight hundred dollar incentive available from Fortis BC, and you have to kind of subtract that from your from your installed cost. Uh, to give you that total upfront cost. So it's 4,200 in the end. The heat pump renovation was 15,000, like you mentioned, but there's a $10,000 incentive, which gives you a $5,000 total upfront cost. Now, the, the next thing that we want to introduce is, is this idea of an incremental cost. That's kind of what we call it in the industry. You could also call it the additional cost. And that's just acknowledging that well, we need to do something. And so the $2,000, that's like the minimum cost that we're going to have. So the energy efficient renovation, yes, it costs 4200 but we can actually subtract that minimum cost from that, uh, giving 2200 is the additional cost of that option. And similarly for the heat pump renovation, the total cost is 5000 but we need to spend 2000 anyways so that gives you an additional cost of 3000 cuz we have to do we have to do something we have to repair it it doesn't actually solve the problem we'll have to do it again <laughs> so incremental cost that's a that's a big idea to wrap our heads around it's kind of the extra cost for the energy efficient option and that's really what we're comparing against yeah that's right that makes sense the incentives really help improve the business case for the upfront costs what about the ongoing cost this is where it gets a little more interesting, I think, because we've got two sources of of energy going into the system, uh, electricity and natural gas. They have different costs associated with them. And so ultimately what we want to understand is what is what are the total costs per year for the house or for the home? And this building is um, it's using 7,500 kilowatt hours per year already, right? So if we replace the furnace, it's going to continue to use that much electricity uh, the same. So, and that comes out to about $700 a year and not going to have any change to the natural gas consumption either. That's about 60 gigajoules a year. And they're going to pay about $575 for that. And so your, your total ongoing cost is, is about $1,280. So that's the business as usual that's the, the base case, we would maybe call it. Yeah, exactly. The existing case in the building, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That That's your, your basic repair. Now, if you want to look at the, the next option, which is the energy efficient renovation, for the electricity, again, it's not going to impact that. You're still going to be using the same 7,500 kilowatts you were before. It's worth about 700 bucks a year. 
but the natural gas is going to decrease because this efficient furnace is rated at 95% thermal efficiency as opposed to 75% of the old furnace. And that's going to give you about 20 gigajoules a year of savings in natural gas. So those bills are going to be smaller. Uh, actually, the, the bills we expect to be about $380. So that's about $200 less just in natural gas. And so your total ongoing cost would be about $1,080. Okay, so $200 less in a year in utilities. That's not so bad. How about the heat pump renovation? This one gets quite a bit different because the heat pump is an electrical device. It does not use any natural gas. So our natural gas consumption is actually going to go to zero, and we're going to pay zero dollars uh, a year for natural gas. Uh, and by the way, I should say, in this example, we don't have any other natural gas consumption in the building, like for cooking or for your water heater. Uh, but electricity is going to go up because it uses electrical energy instead of natural gas energy. So it's gonna go up by about 50%, and that's gonna raise it from 7,500 to 11,250 kilowatt hours per year. And that's gonna increase your annual electricity bill from about $700 to about $1,050. And so your total ongoing cost is gonna be $1,050 for electrical, plus zero dollars for natural gas leaves you, leaves you with a thousand and fifty. This is looking like a really close race. So $20 difference in the ongoing costs. How do we decide? This is where I'd like to introduce the concept of simple payback. And this is an amount of years that it takes for the project to pay for itself. And it's a very simple calculation. We take the incremental cost and divide it by the ongoing cost, right? Those are the two costs that we had just calculated previously. Now we're dividing the two and the result is a number of years that it takes for the projects to pay for itself. And as you can imagine, the fewer those years, the better the project looks financially. Let's just look at these two upgrades that we're talking about here, which is the energy efficient furnace versus the heat pump renovation. So for the, for the furnace, the incremental cost was $2,200. The ongoing cost is $1,080. You get an annual savings of about $200. And so the simple payback is $2,200 divided by $200 in annual savings equals 11 years. It's going to take 11 years for this project to pay for itself. Similarly, we can do that for the heat pump renovation. It's going to cost $3,000 up front, but it's going to save $2,025, and that gives you a 13-year payback. So this is a really good tool because you end up with this nice, clean, simple number that kind of describes how well that project is performing financially. To round out this example, the incremental cost on the energy-efficient furnace upgrade is about $2,200. We're gonna save about $200 a year on our utilities relative to what we're experiencing right now. So the payback there is gonna be about 11 years. In the heat pump option, our incremental cost, our upfront additional cost for this option is going to be $3,000. The annual utility savings, in this case, is gonna be a little closer to $230. And so our 
a simple payback for the heat pump option is going to be 13.2 years. So still very close. So we are going to make back some money, I guess, in the long run. Um, definitely more affordable in terms of the utilities for the residents. Are there any other tools that we have in terms of understanding what the best option is from a, from a financial perspective, from a planning perspective? Well, we've talked about the simple payback, which I think is a really powerful tool to help make that evaluation. There are also a couple of other financial values that can help you understand uh, the quality of that investment. Uh, one of them is the net present value, and the other one is the internal rate of return. And there's a lot of online calculators that you can plug in some, some information to that can spit that out back at you. And you can also read a bit more there about how those terms are defined. But those are values that uh, some institutions use to help analyze uh, different project options. So those tools would be more for, say, asset managers or folks that have a, a bigger portfolio in a, in a business, for example, where they're, they're making decisions between investment options. Yes, exactly. Or really anyone who's dealing with a big sum of money. If I'm thinking strictly in dollars and cents, at this rate, I'm going to go with the energy efficient gas furnace option. But if I'm honest, that's not my only consideration. I, I really wanted the heat pump option to come out on top because it's better for the environment. I get cooling in summer. There's other factors that aren't necessarily captured in the financial case. So what if the financial argument is excluding some important considerations? How do we, how do we factor those pieces in? Yes. Well, it's very difficult to put a dollar value on things like your health, the social benefit, and the environment. We don't have exact ways of putting dollar values on those, but they're absolutely worth considering. I guess it's really hard to put a dollar figure on those things. Well, depending on your climate, what's that worth to you? What's that worth to the, to the family that's living in that place? I know, for example, some municipalities, they put a price on carbon and include that in their financial case. So, you know, if, if carbon is at $50 a ton, they include that in their financial calculation as a way to, to bring in that consideration. So what if we want to include some of the GHG emissions as a deciding tool or a tiebreaker tool in this case, because the, the cases are so close. And then we get to the environmental subject, which we absolutely do have some numbers that we can put to these different options. And I'd like to talk a bit more about that, actually. Uh, and I think the conversation kind of starts with acknowledging that in British Columbia, our, the vast majority of our electricity is hydro-generated, which has a very low ongoing emissions factor, right? That means that there's very few greenhouse gases associated with using this uh, hydro-generated energy. And that's not the case with the other fossil fuel energies. So just to compare the different things so you have a sense of scale, burning natural gas represents about 50 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent per gigajoule. Now, this is a, a new unit of measurement. I, I'm not sure if everyone's going to be familiar with this, but basically this is how um, the international community has decided to represent greenhouse gases is in the carbon dioxide equivalent. And it's usually measured in kilograms or tons, which is a thousand kilograms. And so natural gas has a value of 50. Now, electricity has a value of 0 
it creates a far, far less uh, impact in terms of the environment. Some other comparisons for you is that uh, fuel oil is 65 to 70 kilograms. Uh, propane is about the same. Diesel is even worse at about 70 uh, kilograms. And wood is highly variable depending on the type of wood and what your source is. Uh, but a, a lot of people use about 25 kilograms for comparison. So those are the emission factors I bet per gigajoule of energy. What a gigajoule is is less important than comparing between them. Obviously, hydroelectricity is much, much lower than natural gas. So there's a big GHG emission benefit from going with that option. Yes, absolutely. And similar to how we calculated the, the financial values previously for these this uh, furnace renovation that we're considering, we can do the same thing with the environmental factors, right? So looking at the, the first option to just maintain the existing furnace, it's not going to have any impact on the environmental footprint of the building. We're going to get a total uh, GHG savings of zero for that case. For the energy efficient renovation, because it's using less natural gas, we're saving about 20 gigajoules of gas. And when we multiply that out by the 50 kilograms of um, carbon dioxide that it saves per gigajoule, that's about a thousand kilograms. So that's what we'll save in that option. Now for the heat pump renovation, because we're gonna completely eliminate the natural gas, but we are gonna add some more electricity and electricity does have a small factor. When we add that up, it's about 3,000 kilograms of savings that we'll get from that, right? So again, that was 1,000 kilograms of savings from the efficient gas furnace and 3,000 kilograms of savings for the, the heat pump renovation. And these numbers can be a little bit abstract, I think, because you know what is a kilogram of carbon dioxide? Uh, but this is the measurement of environmental impact. And at the very least, you can compare the different options against one another. And it's, it's becoming increasingly common for organizations of all sizes and types to be accountable for the greenhouse gases that, that they're emitting and for people to be more responsive and included in the decision-making process of how to manage their buildings. Thanks, Stefan. That was really helpful. And I think for me, the big takeaway is to to understand the two price tags, the upfront cost, the whole upfront cost, which includes that installation and transportation, not just the equipment itself. Okay. And then understanding that ongoing cost, which is you know primarily utilities in most of these cases, but need to factor in that, that maintenance and replacement rate, um, that that actually can make a huge difference in the, in the financial case and the total cost of the decisions that we're making. I like this option of having another tool to factor in that, that climate change impact, those greenhouse gas emissions, and just add that element to the argument, especially where the business case or the financial case might be quite close, helps to make that decision. And, and if you're able to incorporate uh, that kind of a, a GHG reduction priority in your community, I think that's uh, something that we all want and benefit from in the long term. Yes, exactly. There's a few different ways of looking at it through the financial lens and through the environmental lens as well. And these are all just tools and part of your decision-making process, I would say, whether you're a homeowner or a community manager or a building manager, uh, whatever your role is, if you have an opportunity to make an upgrade in a building, 
uh, you're going to need some tools to decide what is the best path forward. And, uh, and I, I hope that we were able to introduce some of those tools uh, to anyone who wasn't previously using them. So thanks. Thanks for having me on today, Darla. And a big thanks to you, Stefan, for walking us through that. Uh, not the easiest content to cover in a podcast. So I do encourage folks to take a look at that uh, accompanying resource that really helps to, uh, to bring it all together. Thank you to our listeners for taking the time in your day to learn more about making the financial case for energy management. Hopefully that was helpful and you'll be able to use some of those tools in your work. In our next episode in the energy management series, we'll be looking at benchmarking between houses to find out how to prioritize your energy efficiency investments. For more information on the First Nations Home Energy Safe program or to download the next podcast in this series, please visit Fraser Basin Council's website and the First Nations Home Energy Safe webpage. You'll find a companion resource for this podcast with visuals and links to incentive programs and other resources available to Indigenous communities in British Columbia. You can also sign up for their newsletter to learn more about the training opportunities and support programs as they become available. This podcast has been developed by SES Consulting as part of Fraser Basin Council's First Nations Home Energy Safe program. The program is sponsored by the province of British Columbia, BC Hydro, Fortis BC, and the Real Estate Foundation of BC. Production by Aaron Trazo of Bird Media. Bird Media.